welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Hallelujah. So, I think we should just revise a little bit about what God is doing. Obviously, I started talking a while back and then we did some practical. <laughs> now we're sitting down again. We may be sitting down physically, but we're not sitting down in the spirit. Thank you. I'll have that one. If you put that one there. Just so you've got a... In fact, let's put them on the stage, Martin. Nearly got him on the stage. (laughs) These are just there. I mean, we use chairs and things a lot, but... A great visual. I don't think this is going to be news to you, but Jesus did not say, I am the way, the lace curtains and the nice cup of tea. (laughs) Now, everybody likes a nice cup of tea. Not everybody likes lace curtains, it must be said. But he didn't say that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right, there is adventure in just the sound of those words. I mean, life, zoe in Greek... Is, is literally the source of everything. Everything that happens. Jesus doesn't call us to lace curtains and a cup of tea, though I'm sure cups of tea are fine. He calls us to this adventure, this journey, this process. And for so often, many will think, you know, they'll give their lives, I don't know if this, how this works, but imagine you're giving your life to Jesus and you sort of take up your, your new position here. Wow, what a view. Amazing, I'm part of this family. And you've got all the promises coming in and everything, and you realize this is, well, not incredible, because that literally means unbelievable, but incredible in the sense of, wow. Sometimes it does become incredible in the literal sense of, I don't know if I can believe it anymore. And one of the reasons that happens is that you sit in here. When you come up out of the water, we haven't got a baptismal pool over there, I don't know why I'm looking over there, but when you come up out of the baptism water, maybe we will one day. (laughs) <laughs> be a surprise downstairs if it leaks, wouldn't it? You're in that, you're seated in that new position. The thing is, there's another seat over there. And you think, well, what's that one then? Well, I want to tell you this is the good news over here. It's looking a little bit posher, it's got a back and everything. This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to die. Yeah, unless Jesus comes back, you are going to die. This is your next chair. This is your place in glory with heaven, in heaven. You will live in the fullness and the perfection of God. There'll be no more struggling with stuff, misunderstanding stuff, not getting on with people, thinking God is a tyrant, or whatever other troublesome thoughts come into your mind, you'll be here. Sometimes we forget as Christians that to die is to go to glory. I suppose there's still a fear of the process, but really we should no longer be afraid of what's going to happen. We're going to glory to be with Jesus, and everybody we know is in Jesus. We're going to see them all again anyway. And probably a few mystery ones that we didn't really know about. You know, the ones that snuck in at the last minute. I reckon there's a lot of those. How many people in those last minutes when you went, because basically you've told your friends about Jesus, and they've frustratingly not done a lot or seemed uninterested. But can you imagine in those last few moments, even if time slowed down, How many people cry out to Jesus at that moment, get over themselves and say, well, 
This could be right, and I'm going, Jesus! And Jesus turns to them and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Just like the guy on the cross. I'm convinced of that. But you see, that's because we don't just get born again to live in this place. Although this is a great place, and this is going to be the focus of most of our eternal lives. The reason you get born again is not just to go to heaven. It's this bit in between here, which is the journey or the adventure. Now, some of you might be thinking, I'm not sure I like adventures. Actually, if you've got that slate for me at the back there, uh, lovely people, um, there's one, Bilbo had a certain view of adventures that I, I stuck on a, on a screen. Uh, hopefully they can get to. It will come up in a while. And maybe you're feeling a little bit like Bilbo does when you see his quote. But... Should we just stop? Oh, there it is. This was Bilbo's view of adventure. We are quiet, plain quiet folk and have no use for adventures. Nasty, disturbing things make you late for dinner. <laughs> now, I reckon a lot of people living over here, you're little hobbitses. I don't like adventures. They make you late for dinner. I want my dinner. Oh, whatever else this is you like. Because there's one thing about this journey. It is an adventure. All right, it's not... Some people think, another analogy, admittedly, that getting born again is they get the invitation, ooh, come follow me, cool. Uh, and they think, yeah, I'll do that. And they turn up for the great cruise ship salvation. And they turn up wearing their sandals and their flip-flops. I don't know why they've got both, that's weird. Uh, Swimming shorts, nice towel, sun hat, ready for the great cruise of salvation. And they get there, and it's a big, instead of this amazing cruise ship, it's grey with numbers painted on the side. Because it's a warship. It is an adventure. It's not just a sit back and drink the cocktails. Although there is relaxation in Jesus, of course. There is peace in Jesus. But it's a peace that comes for the adventure. It's a peace that enables you to do this bit. Not a peace that enables you to lie on the floor and shut up. Although that may be where you first receive. I believe that God is speaking quite strongly to us today, and will be, I'm sure, about this transfiguration and transformation. And one of the reasons is to do with where we've got to as we've been going through Ephesians. You may have forgotten where we were up to. Let me remind you just briefly. This was the last bit we read. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So you were taught, it says, we have been taught, to put off our old self, put on the new self created to be like God. Did you know that you are created, Peter Norman, to be like God? Here is an example of God Amen. in likeness. Amen. But of course we could walk up to anybody in the room and say the same thing. The divine nature is in every one of us. Darren is an example of what God is like. Scary, isn't it, in a way? You think, wow, I'm not sure I want people to think God's like that. I certainly think like that sometimes. You know, well, that's the bit of the old self, you see. The old self, Jesus puts us in a completely new place. There's a new creation. We come out the baptismal pool. The old is gone, the new has come. 
But like we are saved, we are being saved and will be saved, it's not a simple transaction. There is a journey involved. So you are the new self, but you have to learn how to travel between now and the day you die and you go to glory. You learn how to, how to experience and live in what God has given you. Sometimes it feels like the old self is dragging us back in this direction. Sometimes it does. Sometimes we get all the way back over here. We're right back here. The good news is you cannot be snatched from God. There's no angel, no demon, no power, no principality, no nothing at all that can snatch you back off this stool. You can never get back off this stool all right, by some, th- some other power. There's nothing that can do that to you. You are protected by Jesus. Okay? But you've got to learn to live out your salvation. It even says in the Bible, with fear and trembling. What? It means because it comes upon us how just incredible, I say that word deliberately this time, how amazing, how purposeful, how unbelievable it is that God chose me to do this walk. Because I know I don't deserve that kind of a calling. To be like Jesus in the world? Me? Jesus was like Jesus in the world. I get that bit. But the idea that I could be like Jesus, that people would look at Paul Abel and think that's what Jesus is like, that's the fear and trembling. It's the fear of the responsibility of the incredible gift that God has given you. It's not a disabling fear. It's a fear that inspires you. Reverence is a more appropriate English word in some ways. Transformation, transfiguration, participation in the divine nature. Whenever you counter these things in the, the Gospels, it's often, nearly always, twofold. It will be addressed to the individual person and to the body together. And both are essential. Historically speaking, the pendulum seems to swing from everybody together. Everybody is an individual relationship with God. Everybody together and back. And we need, like other things we've talked about, the pendulum's got to be in the middle. We've got to realize we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. There's no other way. He said, come follow me. But he didn't say, come follow me and nobody else is going to join you. And you see that Jesus' answer... His primary gospel is about a people and the love that they share demonstrating the kingdom of God to those around them. You see, if you stay on your own, there's no love to be seen. You have to have others to love. And true love overcomes all the troubles and wrongs and things. If, If you only love people because you like them, that's a very low level of love, isn't it? Love overcomes the things that people do that annoy us or the things that they get wrong. Love says, you believe in Jesus, but way, some of the stuff you believe, I find a little bit weird, but you believe in Jesus, and I'm determined to walk with you past that. Because so often the decision is, we're part of the Protestant church, it's a terrible curse to speak over us, because Protestant means protest. It means break off from. It means go a different way. That's where it comes from. 
So you, you don't really want to keep speaking over somebody. You're broken off. You're a protester. You break off. You split. But you see that again and again within the church, that there can be disagreements. Even in people where God seems to be working in both of them, and they feel that they need to separate because of that. But God's plan is for love to overcome those. Even if it's sin, it's not your job to point out you got this all wrong. That's God's job. If you're seriously worried about what somebody's into, then you pray. There is a time and a place for the pastoral correction, but that's a different matter. So often people just want to correct them. It doesn't mean you can't have a discussion, but hopefully it's a friendly one. But this is all part of the journey. This is all part of the adventure. Let's have a look at another thing that Tolkien wrote, The Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins. Let's look at another thing Tolkien wrote. Let's, let's give me the next one. The Greatest Adventure. This was something he wrote separately to his books. The great, I think. The Greatest Adventure is what lies ahead. Today and tomorrow are yet to be said. The chances, the changes are all yours to make. The mould of your life in your hands to break. I don't know what you think about that. Maybe you like it. Maybe you think, ooh. But what I want to suggest is the mould is what people have told you you are and you should do. But you now have a spirit of freedom. I'm talking about all the negative stuff that's been spoken over you as a person. Maybe by parents, maybe by teachers, maybe by friends even. That means that you live less than who you are in Christ. I like what Tolkien says here. The mold of your life is in your hands to break. Now, it's not yours to break if you don't know Jesus. It's broken at the cross. So actually, the mold really, sitting here, is broken. But what a lot of people do is they, they, they keep the pieces together. Because very often, the broken person that we were before we come to name Jesus becomes quite strongly and powerfully an identity of who we are. And so it feels like that to let the pieces fall to the ground is going to break us up. Let, let no one imagine that the mold being broken can be painless. It can be sometimes. God does amazing things. And sometimes it's very painful, mostly because it's not the breaking that was painful. That's done at the cross. It's letting go of all the pieces. It's letting go of what we thought was us. But it's not us, it's what was done to us that has changed the beautiful creation that God made. There is a masterpiece there that has had like black paint spilled over it. And, and Jesus cleans it off and we, we see the masterpiece underneath. I mean, I'm mixing metaphors quite terribly here, but I think you get in the picture. And it's letting those pieces go so that it frees us to be much more adventurous in this journey. Because if you're trying to keep a pot together this broken pot, and you've got no glue or anything because it's all smashed. You're just about holding on together the identity that, uh, that was spoken over you, negative identity, or maybe there's an identity of being a victim because of what was done to you and things like that. Very painful, very you, but it's not the free you that God wants you to be. Sometimes it takes a while to let go of all those pieces. It doesn't have to. The answer's there in God. But sometimes, for different people at different times, they only manage to let go of a piece at a time. You don't have to believe that that's you. 
You can let go of the whole lot. But don't despair if you've only let go of half of them. It's all smashed though. And you can be free on this journey towards this day. So. Hmm. He says looking at the clock. Yeah, let's just do a couple of little things and finish, I think, rather than everything. Let's go back. If you're using your Bible, I'm going back to 2 Peter now. I read earlier. 2 Peter, chapter 1. Do you know what? At the beginning, there's a little bit that's often missed because it's the beginning. And people often miss the beginnings of the letters because they're just like the salutation. Long way of saying dear or hi. But there's often great truth mixed in them because this one says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. He reminds us that he's a servant first. Doulos is the word he used, which actually means slave. People really struggle with the idea of being a slave because it's quite rightly a negative thing. But what it means is to submit your will to the will of another. A servant has a measure of independence still. A slave says, I don't want to have independence from you, Father. It's odd, isn't it? We're sons and daughters, and yet we can choose to be slaves in the way we just say, I want to surrender to you. Because actually, that looks really attractive over there, but you're saying don't. So, the point of decision of wills. Anyway, he goes on to say, do those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. That's a little phrase. It just caught me this morning. Here's Peter. He's just stressed servant and apostle. Quite rightly, that is what he was. He was one of the three that was at the Mount of Transfiguration. He walked on water. He also had Jesus say to him, get behind me, Satan. But that's another matter. He loyally followed Jesus and also denied him. And I think that's what comes out in Peter. He knows what it's like to fail big time. Perhaps that's why he says servant and apostle. But look at what he just... Imagine how incredible the faith was of this man. I mean, he was killed in the end by the Romans. He was going to be crucified. And he said, it's not in the scripture, this is history. And he told the Romans he didn't want to be crucified upright because that would be like Jesus. And so they crucified him upside down. And his wife at the same time. What faith is it that means you allow yourself, because it's worse to do it like that, that allows you to suffer even more than you need to just because of your honour and respect for somebody? Jesus. Incredible, isn't it? What faith? What faith to allow himself to end up in that position? He could have kept quiet. He was even tempted at one point to go back to the fishing business. It was probably a pretty good business. Nice living. The climate near Lake Galilee is beautiful. It's a lovely area. It was a, it was a good living. Instead, he starts trudging the world. But he knew he was called to an adventure. We might trudge the world. We might stay in Scarborough. The secret is to give to the will of God. But... Where I'm going with this is, Paul says this 
To those who through righteousness of God our Saviour in Jesus Christ have received the faith, so that's you and me, as precious as ours. That's why I was emphasising Peter's faith. He's emphasising the faith of all the apostles at this point, and he says, your faith is as precious as ours. Don't ever think that because I'm Peter, and he's Paul, and he's John, that our faith is super special. Faith is precious, and we all have it. It's ours. There is an equality in faith. Paul puts it, uh, there's no male or female. There's no slave or free. There's no Jew or Gentile. That's another way of coming in on this matter. There is complete equality. My faith is not more precious than, I don't know, Chris's faith. Or David's faith. Or Alan's faith. Or Cheryl's faith. Or Heather's faith. Because it's given to us. It's a gift. The only difference we see in faith is what we're doing with it. Because faith really only is demonstrated in action. What are you doing on the journey? Now so far, and I'm just really coming to an end, but so far, you could misinterpret a lot of what I'm saying if you're not careful, journeying, struggling, being like Peter. Let's pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get on with it. And Peter addresses that very thoroughly, that this is not the case. Because he says his divine power, Jesus, our Saviour, our God and Saviour, he's referring to, his divine power has given us everything we need. Just let that sink in a bit, because it can be been heard so many times that it gets pushed to one side. Josh, can I borrow you for a minute? Thank you. If you could stand there for a minute. Now, when Josh was younger, he decided to follow Jesus. Yes. And so, when he came out up of that baptismal pool, showing what decision he'd made in his life, he sat in this chair, or this stool. He was a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And God came up to him and said, I'll steal this one. This is yours. It's actually Brian's, but you know. This is yours. You have everything you need. Divine power. You want to understand divine power, you'll find all about it in this. Keep hold of that. Now, Josh now has everything he needs for the journey. At that point, he faced a choice. He could live holding on to that divine power, or he could bend down and pick up the bits and put them back together again, and live in his pre-Christian identity. Or he can walk. I suggest you get on the journey a bit. Could you just do that? Thanks. You might want to stop there because we're expecting a long life for you. (laughs) 
He now has everything he needs. Sometimes he might have a bad day, stuff might overtake him, and he feels like he's sitting on that chair. Or he remembers, actually, I'm on a journey. That's just a lie. I don't need to hold on to the broken pieces of the past. That's not who I am. Who I am is who Jesus says I am. I'm going to surrender to him my own understanding of me and be the completely free me that he's made me. Some people like astrology. If you're into astrology, you read your star signs so, and you, you look at your birth signs. So you might say, oh, you're under the sign of Sagittarius or you're under the sign of Cancer. And then some people will read out what that means for them. That is a restraint and a restriction of something and someone. It can be completely made up because the person has got absolutely no idea and is making a bit of money about it. Or it can be much worse and be deeply spiritual, but of the wrong kind. Whatever it is, if I was to ask him what his birth sign was and start to read his astrological fortune over him, it doesn't enable him to walk in the freedom. It restricts him to somebody else's definition of what he should be. That's why I hate astrology. It binds people. It doesn't free them. Oh, this is going to happen to me. This is what I'm like. This is what my personality is. There is only one sign you are born under. It is the cross. Okay? You are born under the sign of the cross. The cross, unlike those other star signs, says you are now free to be exactly who you are. All those other things, whether it was astrology or whatever, that has been spoken over you is broken. Drop the bits and discover the adventure of finding out who the real Joshua Porter actually is. He's quite nice, actually. (laughs) Because he's now free to be who he is. He doesn't have to listen to what somebody else says. But this is, the, this, this is the thing that I think God wants us, and it relates to the worship. I mean, the worship was... Anybody have a good worship time? Yeah. I think many people were encountering God. I hope all of us were, by grace. Some will think, oh, I'm not sure. But let me know, you did. Don't just go by your feelings, go by what God says. Because the more you trust Him, the more you'll see the fruit of what you're trusting. So... Back to Peter. We're not doing the other ones today, though I'd love to. There's so much good stuff in all of this, you know. I hope you get something to take home today that means your life is different. You all right up there? You're not pulling faces, are you? (laughs) It's just your mum was laughing at (laughs) Okay. His divine power has given us everything we need For a godly life, a life full of God, a life that manifests Jesus, a life that shows Jesus to the world, he's given it to us. Through our knowledge, and knowledge here is not just, oh yeah, I know that. This this word is about participating in. All right, you can't. Just know Jesus. It's in another place, completely different place. I think it's James says, you say you know God. Well, even the devils know him. All right, they know him. <laughs> they know him and they're terrified of him. It's not that. This, this is about participating and experiencing 
a knowledge of God. Right, this, this, this is joining the divine dance. This is celebrating together your life with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What we were doing in worship was a picture of us sort of coming into the throne room of God. And, you, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying we dance like this because that would be a blessed relief. But we're moving and we begin to join the adventure. Because this journey doesn't just go like that. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it would look messy if you looked at it, but actually it's beautifully planned. You know, the strange directions you find yourself going in. I thought I was going that way. And then you meet a couple of people who change your life. Oh, what a coincidence. They've changed my life. Knowing these two have been an incredible influence on me. They're an amazing couple. You should get to know them. But you can't, and mine. No, no. <laughs> they are, they're incredible. Got so, yeah, we won't go there, because Martin will get really embarrassed. But... People change us, but I am a better person of following Jesus because I know Martin and Michelle. Yeah, I'd hope you are too, because you know Martin and Michelle. <laughs> but you see what I mean? And that's, that's why sometimes, if you looked at it, it'd be like all over the place. But God puts you in strategic places, often to be in strategic relationships with other people who enable you to go on this journey. He's another one that's changed me. Knowing Josh changes my life. I understand about different things more because I've got this guy as a friend of mine. Scary. You look so big when you stand on the stage. <laughs> I feel about this big. <laughs> but yeah, he's taught me many things. It's not, we're not just to look at great leaders and think they teach me. We're going to learn from one another, the scripture says. Corinne has taught me a lot. Sometimes she's revealed to me more about me than I've wanted to know about. Yeah? There's things that have popped up in me, and I've realized, I need to deal with that. That's not a good thing. And God has used our relationship to do that. That's why God put us together. Usually these things work both directions. And it's only healthy when they do. Imagine a married relationship where... It was only one way the whole time. It'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Which is why God dances with us. Our relationship with him isn't even one way. I mean, he doesn't learn from us. He doesn't think, oh, wow, I never thought of that before. <laughs> but he does place himself in a position of becoming more and more intimate and closer to us and growing in knowledge and understanding in that way. The participation. So there he is up there. And through this, he's given us his very great and precious promises. We haven't got time to think on what all those are today. But just think of all the things that God has given you, the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit and the gifts of God and all of that, so that through them, you could feel really special. No, it doesn't say that. So that you could fall on the floor and shake. It doesn't say that either. So today, when the Spirit was on me, there was a point when I realized, oh, I'm shaking. How embarrassing. No, it's not really. It's just the divine nature, the divine power. So that through these promises, you may participate. And I think this is a really important word. It's not that he's just been given this Bible and then he goes off and does it by himself. There is now a participation. Remember, that's divine power. 
And it's now a participation in the divine nature. He is walking with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's dancing with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's on an adventure. These are all metaphors. He's on an adventure with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's lots to do. There's lots to experience. But it will be the best thing for him personally that could possibly ever happen because God has planned it perfectly. That's what people forget. They, they, they think, oh, well, if I'm going to follow God, I better follow God. It means I'm going to have a pretty miserable life. The only way you'll have a miserable life following God is if you haven't dealt with the fact that you wanted all those other worldly things that you might have to give up. There are things you give up to follow Jesus. But the rewards are out of this world, literally. <laughs> but it's a divine nature that we participate in. So, thanks, Josh. You could sit down if you like. Oh, you do like. When we gather as a community to worship, this participating in the divine nature is happening. When you take time out in your prayer closet, focus on God, this participation in the divine nature is happening. You are learning, I don't know if it's learning, I suppose it is in a way, um, you are experiencing and you are being changed by what God is doing in your life at that point from glory to glory. You can't see it, sometimes you have no idea of what God is actually doing, but if you spend that time with the Lord, Sundays alone is not enough, but being on your own and not being together is not enough. It's, it's all of it. You get transformed when you spend time. And if you go to the prayer room and pray with others, you won't just be interceding for the world or whatever you're doing. God will be changing you from glory to glory. And very often the church has not been the victorious beacon of light that it should be because simply the people do not expect to be changed by God. They let go of it. Even in churches like ours where we're quite strong on teaching you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Sometimes that becomes in people's lives, well, I've got the new, but I do so much that's wrong, it must be wrong. It's not wrong. You have it all. You have everything you need. But it's about learning. When uh, I taught Thomas, my oldest son, to ride his bike, everything he needed was in him to be able to ride a bike. There was nothing that I could sort of <laughs> and put in him that says, now you can balance. It was there in him. But his father spent time with him running up and down the road, and he had a really horrible bike where the, the, the pedals were fixed to the back wheel, so he had to pedal. He could never just... Or if he wanted to not pedal, he had to stick his legs out like that, and the pedals would just go like this. It's a really bad bike to learn to ride on. But that was the one we had. And Tom's father spent time with him in the day before issues, running up and down the street until what was in him came out and he rode off on his own and has ridden a bike ever since. God, your father, is only drawing out of you what he's already given you and he will spend time with you, transforming you, transfiguring you, until you learn to live in the fullness of what he's given you. Now, the Eastern Orthodox Church 
And I think, Pastor Colin, from what you said before, believe you can even reach that before you get here. But very few ever do because they don't feel they can. A place, in other words, of where your will is completely submitted to God and you don't sin. I don't know. But I know that we can get close. I mean, if we say we have no sin, love is not in us. So there's always an element of the potential to. I don't think it's not saying that. It's not saying you can never sin, but your practical daily experience is one of where you no longer expect to sin every day. Anyone up for that? Because of what God does in us, and we then embrace, and we continue this journey. So worship and prayer is important. Take some time at home. You need to spend time when you declare scripture. I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. This is powerful, declaring the word of God. But also take some time to just sit in God's presence. You don't even have to say anything. I know, this is kingdom faith. I'm saying you don't have to say anything. There's two types of not saying anything in prayer. There's the prayer when you're in a group and you don't say anything because you're embarrassed or fearful. That's not good. Or there's the prayer when you sit at home and you don't say anything because you're too lazy to say anything. That's not good. Or you can't be bothered. Or you take the easy option. True, silent, contemplative prayer is actually difficult because you focus completely on God. You don't empty your mind. That's Eastern stuff. You focus completely on God because you're expecting to participate in the divine nature. You're expecting transfiguration. You're expecting time with God. And you focus on a scripture or on a short prayer, and you just spend time in God, letting him experience you and you experience him. It takes time to do it. It's very disciplined. I would recommend that if you've never done that at all before, you start with a short positive phrase from scripture, or maybe the the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And say it out loud, because if you try and do it in your head... It's much harder. People think it's easier. It's harder. Because you should progress from saying it out loud to saying it in your head with no wandering off into imagination. It's, this form of prayer is not interested in imagination. It's interested in Jesus. Try it. See if it works for you. But start out loud, and you can progress to being silent. You're still saying it in your head. But so that, it's another stage because it's more difficult. Because it's more difficult to keep focused. You tend to end up thinking about what you've got to do later in the day. And you spot it a few minutes later that you've been planning your afternoon. You do that, it's not a problem. You just say, oh, I'll come back. You just let that go and you come back, Jesus. Anyway, that's what I did. And all the other types of prayer. Praying in tongues. Praising, worshipping. But that's another one tool, another thing that God has given us to use. Yeah, we'll finish there. You have, and have increasingly, God's divine nature, and you are being changed from glory to glory. Remember, not failure to failure, not stumble to stumble, not even stumble to glory. Jesus is changing you from the glorious person he has made you 
to the glorious person he has made you. Wonderful. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.